Hi, this is Ken Bringus, the lead pastor at New Life Foursquare Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope you'll be enlightened and inspired through what you hear today. And if you like what you hear, come and visit us at one of our two campuses, either Norwalk or Harbor City, California. We gather every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. You can check out our website for more information and upcoming events. We're at newlifefoursquare.org. In this episode, we feature a panel of four men from our congregation who engage in a conversation about masculinity, what it means to be a man, father, husband, but also why we tend to define masculinity and manhood the way we do nowadays. Before we dive in, I want to acknowledge that there are heated debates and opinions around the whole issue of sexuality and sexual orientation and gender fluidity. And we want to better understand and empathize with parents and young people and young adults who are wrestling with these matters. We know that this podcast on masculinity may trigger emotionally charged reactions and questions. So let me say up front, while we don't see any scriptural basis for some of the perspectives on sexuality and gender fluidity that are out there nowadays, we also do not believe that Christ condemns people who may be dealing with such matters. In fact, I want to say to everyone that wants to follow Christ and is dealing with issues related to sexual orientation and gender identity, I want to say we want you and need you in the body of Christ. We need you in our community. We need your voice. You have a unique contribution in the kingdom of God. And we would rather have you engage the struggle for wholeness and healing within the family of Jesus instead of outside of it. So, having said that, let's listen to this next installment of our series, Made for More, and listen to the stories of the men of new life as they wrestle with what it means to be a man in today's world. All right, so I'm going to invite, we're going to have a little panel discussion this morning, and I want to invite the guys that, that I have asked to come on up here. You can give them a hand as they come up, and I'll introduce them. Man, I'm excited. Um, I will have you know that next week is going to be a panel discussion with the, with the, the ladies in the house. Um, and I wanted the ladies to go first, but it just didn't work out scheduling. But I don't want anybody to think, oh, there's just a bunch of guys up here are going to just talk to us. Um, okay, so from my left, we have Dennis, and then we have Philip, and then we have Charles, we have Genesis, and we have Pastor Ken. Uh, we did not plan to put the two white guys in the middle. I don't know how that happened, but it, I, don't, I don't know. Visually, it's appealing. It's like, it's like an Oreo. <laughs> you said Genesis. <laughs> that's not a good start. Philip said that's not a good start. No, we're getting them laughing. It's okay. Um, so we're going to, this is the week one of our two-part discussion answering the question, uh, why am I, and I know that's improper grammar, but why am I the way that I am, and more specifically, uh, what is masculinity? Why, why do I define masculinity the way that I define it? And then next week, why do I define femininity the way that I define it? And I'm not going to pretend that I can come up here and, and do that sermon next week. Uh, so my wife, uh, Pastor Christina, is going to be doing that. Um, the heart behind what we're doing and why we're doing this is because God created men and women differently, and he created them differently on purpose. Right? His, his intent was not to create some power struggle. His intent was not to create uh, division. His intent was for men and women to complement each other and work together to fulfill God's plan. Right? We grow up hearing a lot of different opinions about what's, what masculinity and femininity looks like. And each one of us might have a different definition of what that is. Um, 
So instead of Pastor Ken or myself standing up here and, and, and preaching, we wanted to get some guys with different backgrounds, different upbringings, different uh, stories, and we wanted, you, we wanted you to hear their stories. We wanted you to hear how God has been at work. Remember, God has been at work since before you were even born, preparing you for a, con- a kingdom contribution in the side of heaven. And so we want you to hear how uh, God has been at work in these men and next week in the women that are going to be up here and how, they pl- how that specifically plays out in their life when it comes to their, their manhood and their womanhood. Bring some biblical principles, share our stories, provide support, and encourage hope. That's our goal. Does that sound good? And I will say this, too. Uh, I don't know if any of you have seen on Facebook all the nonsense that's been going on um, with pastors saying that women aren't good enough to have positions of leadership in the church. And we'll just say that that is not true, and that is an incorrect interpretation of Scripture to hold that viewpoint. Uh, and, you know, we in Foursquare celebrate women in ministry. Our denomination was founded by a powerful, powerful woman of God. And we have two powerful women pastors sitting there in the second row. And we believe that there is no divide, that there is no male nor female, and we are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let me pray, and then we'll get into these questions. Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to uh, share our lives, to share our stories, and to get behind... Um, to answer a little bit maybe about the question, what does it mean to be a man in today's society and to be a man after your heart in today's society? So would you, would you just let your anointing flow through each of those men up here and uh, just speak through them and change our, change our hearts, change our lives, give us a, a better perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so our first question is for Pastor Ken, and it is, uh, can you tell us a little bit about what Scripture tells us about masculinity and being a man? So I'll, shout it. I'll, I'll use this. Oh. I, I just preached a message to our Filipino service earlier today. And the reason I preached that message is because I wanted to have this in my head for this moment. So short of preaching a whole message on this, which I've done in the past, what I want to give you when it comes to uh, what I believe the, um, an important biblical perspective is on manhood or masculinity is to give you, instead of like principles, to give you a vision. And I've communicated this in, in past years, and it's a good time to give all of you guys and even you gals uh, what I believe is a, a biblical vision for, for manhood. So I'm going to just lay it out to you in about four or five points. And the first one is godly men or men uh, that are following Christ, stepping into their true manhood, are always embracing and acting responsibly. And that's funny because this is what we want all of our guys to do. Like, come on, be responsible, be responsible, right? But that, that, the, the lack of that in our society that's coming from men is because, because of the fall of a man named Adam. This is like written in the biblical story. So everything I'm telling you right now, uh, the reason why we're struggling with it is because, because Adam, according to the biblical narrative, struggled with this. Okay, so to embrace, say embrace, embrace responsibility. That's the first thing. When God speaks to Adam, when he creates Adam, he gives him responsibility. He says, you are in charge of the garden, and you're going to take care of the garden. Right? And Adam, of course, fails at that. The second thing um, when it comes to a scriptural vision for manhood is to reject passivity. So guys, say this with me. Reject, reject. passivity. You may not think you're passive, but there's a, there's, this is in our, like, this is in our blood because of Adam, to be passive. Adam was the dude, if you remember the story, he was, I'll just pretend this is Eve, okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> he was the dude that when the snake tempted Eve to eat the fruit, the Bible says he was right there with her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you walked into the room and you saw some other dude talking to your wife, tempting her to eat some kind of fruit, what would your natural response be? Like, get, who are you? Get away from my wife, right? Adam stands there the whole time and watches Eve get deceived by an animal, which we know is Satan, right? 
the snake. So his passivity at that moment is almost like it creates a wound in the whole of creation. This is why you're passive as a man. So part of the biblical vision is to reject that passivity and to step into godly uh, initiative. All right. The third thing is you act redemptively. So Adam could have said to Eve, Eve, he could have said to Eve, Eve, why are you eating the fruit? You're doing something that's, that God told us not to do, and you're going to die because of it. And, he could have, and Eve could have continued to eat the fruit, and Adam, think about it, could have had the choice at that moment to say, oh no, we're in big trouble now. He could go back to God and say, God, the woman that you pulled out of my rib did what you said you shouldn't do, we shouldn't do, and she's going to die. And God, I can imagine God saying back to Adam, Adam, there's only one solution for this. Somebody must lay down their life to bring redemption to Eve. And, and it can't be just any life. It has to be a perfect life. And Adam could have been the one who said, God, I'm the only perfect human being left. Use me. And he could have stepped in as an agent of redemption, but he didn't. So what it means to be a godly man is to act redemptively in your world. All right? Th- fourthly, it means to lead courageously. I'll just leave that out there. Men, step up and lead. Throughout the Bible, there are examples of men who step into leadership and initiate, take initiative. Lastly, or two more, they hold out, godly men hold out for the higher reward, meaning they, they, they don't, they, um, they choose to sacrifice their pleasure for the moment in order to hold on for the greater reward at the end. All right, sometimes, in this society that's so fast-paced and instantaneous, we want instant gratification. Godly men delay the gratification in the moment for a larger vision. We see that in Jesus, okay? And then lastly, I want to say godly men are emotionally, um, let's say they, they exhibit emotional vitality. This is seen through the Psalms. The, the people who write the Psalms are, the, think about this. King David, who wrote most of the Psalms, was a warrior. He was a man's man. But here he is expressing the whole range of human emotion. So it's okay, guys, to be in touch with your feelings and to express the whole range of human emotion in a healthy way. Most guys don't know how to do that, right? But we see the example in the Psalms and we see the example in Jesus himself of a man who is emotionally in touch with who he is, all right? So uh, those are the five things to me that sum up, you know, and frame godly manhood. In scripture. Thank you, Reverend Doctor. Thank you, man. Sorry. It's um, such a long-winded answer. No, you're okay. That's all I'm going to say right now. Okay, <laughs> so to end. piggyback off of uh, your, your leadership thing a little bit. So 1 Samuel 2 says that the, the Eli, Eli, the priest, right? He, he wasn't a very good father. It says that his sons were scoundrels who had no respect from the Lord. And, you know, part of that calling of a man, as Pastor Ken was saying, is to lead uh, your family and Eli didn't do a very good job. So, Dennis, um, how do you lead your family? What does it look like to lead your family so your kids don't grow up to be scoundrels? Um, can I just call a friend? Uh, call a friend? What? No, just kidding. You're saying who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> oh, man. Um, first of all... Um, um, being a dad or being a, <clears throat> um, how do you call this, uh, leaders, I mean leader in the family, leader in the family, um, it's tough. It's not only just to provide, it's not only to be, um, um, to be there with them. Just, it's a lot of things, a lot of, um, you have to set time with them. You have to um, um, make time, especially with your wife, with your daughter, and they have a different age. Um, growing up, um, for me, I didn't see that to my dad. So um, I have this um, struggle, but I allow God to, to help me with this, um, to encourage my kids, to, to spend time with my kids. Um, the most important is um, to lead them with God. Um, and for me, it's myself. I want to build a relationship with the Lord. That um, It's like um, when you 
um, in the shift and throw um, an anchor with that. So the shift doesn't move. Um, so I need that anchor. It's Jesus. Hit me to my, it's especially myself, I have to lead them to Christ. To at least um, no matter situation in my life, um, in my family. And we, we're all there. And we, we're there to serve God. That's all I can say. Awesome. Thanks. So I'll just reiterate what I think I heard you were saying is Jesus is the anchor for you. Yes. Right? And you're, you're leading, and you're talking about uh, leading financially and providing for the family, yes. but, but it's, it's more than that, right? It's yes. setting the example, it's showing the love, it's, it's showing the care, it's, and it's doing it differently because you have kids at different ages, yes. right? And then it's showing it differently when it comes to your wife. Yes. So that's awesome. And, you know, he mentioned about his, you know, seeing, not seeing that example. So, you know, if we don't always see those examples of what biblical manhood or masculinity looks like, and we don't have a good example to draw on, it can be hard to, to figure out how, uh, how to be a man in today's society and how to be a man that, that is a man after God's heart. So, Philip, if you could tell us a little bit how, how masculinity was defined uh, for you growing up. Um, yeah, so masculinity growing up is... is it's a little different because I wasn't. Our family were uh, were atheist, Buddhist type, and it's kind of different. It, high school, it feels like masculinity should be you know you have, you have to have a girlfriend, I don't know, or something, and or you need to be able to get into a fight and win fights. And I grew up in a in an environment where it's very violent. I, I grew up in in Philippines in Chinatown, and there's a side of Chinatown that's very rough. That's very close to uh, the the rowdy, the rowdiest town in the country. So every day it's just everyone's fighting. You see, it blood blood happens like it's easy. Someone gets stabbed. They don't have those big guns because it's expensive, but they have those they have those knives, and it happens all the time. So I grew up in a family where where man has to be able to. And, and that, that caused some issues with me when I became a, a believer because I thought being a Christian should be, you should be really calm and, and meek, you know, and very, very, I don't know, soft-spoken, right? But so when I became Christian, and I'm glad I have Pastor Ken and you guys, you know, they, we, we had this class called, called uh, Wild at Heart, and, and that brought us back to our past, and and it's very, they're very specific with, you know, men and, and, and what they're made for. You know, they're warriors. That's why they had these things. So, so I guess growing up skewed that very much. And, and, when, I, and I'm, when I became a believer, uh, God redeemed so much of it. And he told me, you know, there are th- some things in the past that you're made to be that way. And, and there are some things now that you want to, you know, change and, I don't know if that makes sense. Well, that's good. It sounds like you're trying to, you're trying to find the, the, the balance between uh, being the man that protects, you know, because I, I think Scripture is clear that, um, you know, men are called to protect and provide. And so you're trying to find out what it means to protect and also what it means to, you know, be meek and, and, and show grace and show humility and exactly. turn the other cheek, yes. right? Because, and I think Jesus perfectly embodies both, so... That was a great answer. Okay, I'm going to bounce around for a second, and I want to ask you a a follow-up question. So, because you didn't have the greatest, it sounds like you didn't have the greatest example growing up. That's right, yeah. So, how how have you tried to raise your son, who, how old is is Patrick? 15. Patrick is 15. So, how do you show your son what it means to be a man in God's, Yeah, that's probably the hardest, uh, job that I have to take on. I always thought things you can, like when he was younger, it's easy. You can really control a lot of things. You can, you know, tell him what to do. He'll, he'll do it. But uh, when he reached like 12, 13, uh, it was hard because um, our culture, especially probably the Chinese culture, they have this, you have to really bow down and respect right, your elders. But American kids are different. You know, they're they really voice out. They, they tell you when they don't like you. When they don't feel like talking to you, they tell you. And, and it's hard for me to swallow. Actually, this, this week, sorry, 
this week I was, I was going to text Pastor Mike and say, you know, I don't think I can do it because we just had this bad argument uh, Tuesday night. And I was like, this is just the worst week for me to have this. So the next day, I was going to text you, and then I said, maybe I should look at the Bible, right? And, and so I, I checked that uh, verses, like, what does the Bible say that kids has to respect their parents? And it's there, right? It says, you know, you have to honor your parents or else, you know, you, you won't have long life. You know, things like that. And they have things like uh, one in the Old Testament that's really harsh. Like, if you don't honor, you, they stone you to death. It's like, no, we're not doing that. Did you tell that to Patrick? I'm going to bring you to Pastor Ken's house. <laughs> that's true. So I was, yeah. I was struggling. But then I saw another verse that says, uh, honor your father and mother. And, uh, and then it says, the next line, do not provoke your kids to, ang- to anger. So I was like, Lord, did I provoke? You know? And then, and then I, also, I also saw a, a verse about uh, when Jesus got mad at the temple. Right? So anyway, so I called Patrick. I said, hey, do you have time? He's in school. It's like, lunch break, can you call me? Because I was really upset before that. And then he called me, and then, and then he said, yeah, Dad, what do you need? And I said... <laughs> I said, he, last night was bad, right? He said, yeah, that's bad. And, and I said, um, just to make it short, Patrick, I know you have to go back to class. I said, you know, you know, there's only one time that Jesus got really upset. He got mad at Pharisees and all that, but he got really mad at this temple thing. He threw things and he started throwing a fit, but I don't think it's, you know, it's out of, uh, but he's just, so I told him, I think it's because he doesn't want anyone to dishonor his father's name. So maybe there's something in that. You know, I'm sorry if I, if I jumped on you when you acted that way. And then he started saying, Dad, I'm sorry. That was bad last night. You know. Anyway, so, so that's when, that's when I, I felt, yeah, God, God wants, us, wants them to, to honor. You know? But we have a, I have a job to hold on to my past, which is very violent. And I have to... Take that and, and let God talk to him about it. No, that's perfect. You're showing him a different way of doing things. And you're not letting your negative past define how you raise your son. And what I love the most about that is you apologized. Right? You recognized where you were wrong. And you're not, you're just, it's, you're not after blind respect and blind obedience from your son. And when you mess up, you're willing to show him that it's okay to make things right and to reconcile. That was that was that was amazing. That was great. Okay, you got you got some claps there, bro. Um, okay, so Charles, I want to ask you the same questions. Uh, how do you raise your son to be a godly man in today's society? Well, <clears throat> it's kind of hard, you know. It just you have to. I think it's the big thing is being a role model for the person. You know, I think that's very important, and that's where I had to make some changes in my life. And I think it was a movement early on. I think it was just God moving right there. You know, just, I was going the wrong path. And, and I think it's just something that had to happen for both of us. You know? Early on, because God's always with you, you know? He's, he's, he's always ahead of the game, you know? And I grew up in a, I grew up in a very good childhood. My, my parents are still together to this day. I mean, so I think the big thing about everything is the expectations. The struggle with, with, my, with my son the most, you know, raising him single, was the expectation to raise him like I was raised, you know. Sing, single dad, 17-year-old son, sorry. 17-year-old. 17-year-old, I, I got him about eight years ago. Uh, his mom took off to Chicago, and he wanted to stay with dad. So it was a really bad time for me. I was, I was in my own world. I was doing my own thing, and I wasn't going anywhere. And I think it was a lesson for both of us, you know. And... Uh, it was hard to get along at first because he lived with his mom before that. And I never saw him, really. I saw him on the weekends because I was working all the time. And I was doing my own thing. I was going out, you know, and doing my own thing. 
So I think it was, I think it was a wake-up call, you know, when I got him. He said he wanted to stay with Dad, so it was hard to find anything in common with each other because I, I really wasn't around him, uh, you know, in his little baby years and everything. So, so. And then, thank you. It so, so it sounds like for you, you needed to, in order to be able to teach your, your son how to be a godly man, you had to learn that for yourself. I had to change myself. It was a thing about changing myself more than anything. You know, being a role model, and that's and that's and that that answers your question right here. How do I how do I uh, how do I raise him as a godly person? Well, I think it's all being a role model. I think it's. I mean, I just started going out again as a single person about four years ago. Before that, I was being a role model. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff that I did before anymore. So. I think that's what helped things out. And, and we found something in common that we had. Uh, we both liked wrestling. So I, the last nine years, I decided, you know, I never traveled in my world, in, in, in the world ever. And I, I had girlfriends, and they never really liked to travel either. So I never had a chance to travel. I always wanted to go around the state and see other places. And so I used that. You know, WrestleMania is in a different place every year. So, nice. so we liked the event, and so I decided eight years ago that we were going to go to WrestleMania wherever it's at, and that's our one-on-one -on -one time. To this day, we still go. He's 17 now, and that's our one-on-one -on -one time. That's where we catch up. That's he awesome. tells me, uh, you know, what girl he likes or what's whatever, you know. I mean, so it's just a point... You know, it just, you have to change yourself sometimes. Yeah. You know, you have to, it, it, it's not just about changing him. It's about what he sees going on around you. And, and that's what I had to do. I had to change myself. That's I was awesome. going the wrong path, big time. And God intervened. And I'm here now, and I'm, I'm so grateful. I'm happy. That's awesome. Thanks. So, real quick follow-up question. Um, I don't. It. I don't. I don't know how you do it. I. I couldn't imagine raising my daughter by myself. So, what are some of the struggles that you you face as a single dad? The nurturing is still terrible. I mean, as they as they get older, they get more materialistic. You know. I mean, hey, dad, I need shoes. Hey, I need. You know. I mean. Just, just the things that a mother would do, know his size, you know, of shirt and everything. Guys don't know that, you know. It's like I had to learn that at an early time, you know. It's like, and I had to, I had to learn that when, you know, I was, I didn't even know myself at that time. It's like we were both learning. We were both learning, and sometimes he would even tell me as a ten-year-old, "Dad, this is my size." I'm like, All right. <laughs> I'm trying here, man. <laughs> well, thank, thank you. Thank God I didn't have a girl. That would have been terrible. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna move on to somebody who has two daughters, right? You're doing a good. Hey, you're doing a good job. I've I've met your son and he's great, and you're doing a fantastic job. Thank you. Um, so moving on to somebody who has two daughters, and I've seen Instagram posts of you playing with pink toys and having tea parties with that massive beard. So. Um, tell us, Genesis, how do you show your daughters what it means to be a man? I let them take me, create make-believe salons, and I let them comb my beard out, <laughs> put bows in it, and... <laughs> nah, I mean, for right now, my, my eldest daughter, she's in first grade, and, uh, on the days that I have off and I'm able to take her to school, um... We talk and we, you know, uh, we have to park a little distance away because the, the school has uh, really n not a whole lot of parking. So it's all street parking and whatnot. You have to cross a couple, uh, you know, crosswalks and stuff like that just to get to the school. And uh, I learned later in life that, you know, as, as, as a man, this, this could be kind of like sexist, but I don't, I, it don't matter. It, 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 for this point, it doesn't matter. Um, 
as a man, you're supposed to walk on the outside of the street, and the woman's supposed to walk on the inside of the street, right? So um, just, in, just to help protect and shield just in case something were to happen. So as I'm walking with her, uh, I kept moving her over to the inside of the sidewalk, and she kept asking me why. I was like, because this is my job. You're supposed to be on this side. I'm supposed to be on this side, right? And she's like, why? I was like, because I'm supposed to protect you. As, as your dad, as the, the man here in this situation, I'm supposed to protect you. So one day we were walking, and she just went to the other side of my other side, and she goes, Dad, you're on the wrong side. I was like, all right. You know, like, good. And I, I, I told her, like, look, if you ever have a boyfriend, if you don't get on the other side, then he's out. But, like, the, the way, the real way I, I really model it is by loving my wife, um, by showing the girls um, and not being afraid to show affection to my wife. Uh, when they're around. Um, my mom and dad, they, 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 they showed affection, very little, but they showed it, and it was funny when they did. Um, but, you know, my dad would get all embarrassed and whatnot, but, like, it, it wasn't real, it wasn't, like, a, a daily thing that we would see. And I want my kids to know that, like, in order for them to have a good man in their life, I need to model that here in this house so that way, you know, they, they see what a man is supposed to, is how, is, is supposed to, is how they're supposed to treat uh, his wife, right? So I want to model that for them. Like, you know, you're going to, they're going to get married one day, uh, hopefully. And, and hey, you know, um, and I want them to have a good man in their life. I want them to have a, a man that, one, I can get along with, two, and then, you know, and then, two, that's going to take care of them better than I have ever taken care of them, you know, so. That's awesome. I want to, I want to say something. So I, I know that you, um, like when I think of, when I think of the Roy's, right, I think of like manly men, right, but I've seen you, and then I've, I've also seen your brother sometimes that like the girls will, the girls will play catch, and they'll play with the football, and they'll, they'll do stuff that maybe is sort of tomboyish, but like uh, Eliza's doing it in a in a in a in a, a, a princess bell dress, right? <laughs> and there's also this like super girly stuff happening. So is it important to you to encourage the that femininity in them, to encourage them to be a woman and be a girl and, and do girly things? Like is that important? I think it's well, I mean maybe to a point, but it's more important that they just get to experience um just the fun of having fun you know what i mean like toys are toys it, like my daughter my brothers uh so somebody gave uh m or m's she gave my daughter a barbie doll one time right in turn my brothers are like why is she playing with barbies so they bought her a big old hulk figure like the incredible hulk and and one day she was just playing with both of them you know and i'm just like that's awesome i i'm, I'm i can get with that like Hope beat up Barbie, but it's all good. I mean, in that sense, but I mean, it's just one of those things that they, it didn't really matter. It's just yeah. the fact that they just—I want them to enjoy life, yeah. and they don't have to play by by stereotypes. That's good. Thank you. All right, Dennis, you've got two girls as well, um, and you have a teenage son, and you've got a son coming in like a week and a half, a couple of weeks, three weeks. Man, we are excited. There hasn't been a boy born in, well, not many. It's mostly been girls. There's been some boys. All right, so, Dennis, how do you show uh, your daughters what it means to be a man? Um, for me, Pastor Mike, it's, um, it has a different because the, yeah, the kids are little. And as I grow up right now, I have 18. Uh, my daughter is just turned 18. It's different now from the first until now. Um, I have two more um, talk to her often. Um, um, before, when it was in um, uh, high school, um, try example like, like Valentine's Day. I'm not only uh, my dad, my wife give me flowers. I give them too. Um, it's just like bit, um, showing them how important to you. Yeah. Um, like I said, um, to protect them or and. Now it's turning 18. It's hard um, to explain it to her that um, um, I know soon, you know, it's 18, you'll be have a boyfriend or something. So I told her that 
uh, baby. When Wait, you... did you say she has a boyfriend? No. Oh. Soon, or, you know, I don't know. Um, but I told her that if you're having a boyfriend, the first thing that you look um, for, for guys that they love God, and second, they really respect you. Um, because that's right now, a lot of, a lot of, I see a lot of ki- um, kids, um, they really, they look up with other people for that. I mean, because they never see that in their dad. It's not only um, like, uh, the, especially the love that they, you show them how important they are. Um, like, it's as well, like um, Valentine's Day, if I give my wife a, a, a flowers, I have to, you know, to. And then all their friends like, ooh, I wish my dad did that to me. Ooh, I mean, can I have some? And so, like, you know. Um, so, um, it just, um, for, for me, uh, you have to be, uh, continue to, to look out for them, um, to protect them and guide them and show really how important they are to us. Yeah. You take them out on dates. Oh, yeah, too, right? I take them out. And then what's going on, um, especially, um, you know, um, my, even my son, too. I take him out. Mm-hmm. And I ask him what's going on. And, you know, it's all like that. But it's, it's not really, um, lately, of course, it's kind of expensive if you take them every time. <laughs> so, but, you know, so I have to make sure that I have to take my wife first. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, second. <laughs> and there. Um, and I think God, um, he always provides for us. That's the mess. Uh, that's the best thing, and um, it's not just to provide. It's always there for us, uh, no matter what situation in our life. That's awesome. So you're setting the bar high. You're setting the bar high for any guy that wants to come in and date your girls, right? Amen. Because you're saying this is how you should be treated. Amen. This is how you should be. Oh, did you say? Something? Said, oh, you said, we amen. Both said amen. I thought you said, "Hey, man." <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I'll have you know that once I've found, you know, I've talked to you about this and my wife has talked to you about this and, um, I, I'm like taking notes, right? So I'm, you're, you're, you are a great dad. You are all great dads. Like seriously, you know, and I have, I have pastored your kids and I've pastored your kid and your kids and not you guys. Um, but you guys have all done a really good job. And the times where you feel like you haven't, like, just remember this. You're doing a really good job. Yeah. Um, okay. So thanks, guys. All right, Genesis, I want to come back to you. Um, do masculinity and your role as a man coexist, or are they separate things? Um, for me, they, they coexist. Um, anybody could... All right, so anybody can have or show masculinity. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female. There's, you, you, can, you can perform some sort of masculine thing or have some sort of masculine trait, um, but it doesn't always make you a man. And being a man doesn't always mean you have to be masculine, Right? So in that sense, it's like they, for me, it's, it's, they, they go together. In order for being masculine, yeah, you, you know, the, t- the typical stereotypical things like you, you, you protect, you provide, you, you, you know, you, you take care of your family. That, that's that's, that's part, part of being a man and part of showing masculinity. But also being a man is also showing love and tenderness to your, 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 your kid. Um, we were talking about that earlier before service, and my, my, Pastor Mike was basically saying, oh, Genesis is going to have to talk about being tender and caring, and I had this look on my face like, man, I got to be vulnerable. So it just, it's hard sometimes because it, it wasn't modeled all the times for, for us growing up. So to, to get there, um, it's, it was a long journey. Um, but, you know, it's, it's for me, masculine and being a man... They're, they're, they go together. It's, it, it, for me, it's like you can't have one without the other. And, and, and really, it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't make me, that doesn't really define who I am. It's Jesus who defines who I am. Um, that's just part of who I am. So, Awesome. Thank you. Um, okay. So we're going to just leave this next one open to whoever wants to answer it. 
what is one area you are still working on growing or developing as a man in today's culture? Oh, can I, can I go first? Um, one thing I learned is that I can't fix everything. Um, I learned a long time. My best friend um, uh, growing up was a girl. And she had told me one day, she's like, why are you always trying to fix everything? Like, every time we're talking, you're always trying to fix everything. Stop fix, trying to fix everything, right? And I started, I, I took that advice, and I started to not try to fix everything. But then I, I, got, I, I got married. I had, I had girls, and here I am trying to fix everything. Every time I see my girls crying about something or want something done, I'm trying to fix it. And sometimes my eldest daughter is trying to tell me something, and I'm just like, I cut her off. Right. And yeah, there's a, so some of the women are already laughing at me. Um, but no, like that's the last thing you want to do is cut them off because you want your kid to know that they can come to you and talk to you. Right. So you, you can't you can't fix anything without listening first. And sometimes I just I need to listen first from to my to my kids, to my wife before I try to even fix anything, because sometimes they can fix the issue on their own. You, they just want to talk to you about it. That's yeah. all. That's good. Anybody else? Um, I think for me, I, Pastor, oh, I got you. It's um, uh, for my kids. Um, I have to learn their um, love language. It's um, if what my language of my son, the language of my daughter. Um, from there, at this. Um, right now, I having um, very good relationship with my son. Um, how to how I'll communicate with my son too? Um, um, I know he doesn't want that always repeat and repeat all the time. So when you say something to her, him, um, he doesn't want to repeat that again. So, or else you can boom, you fight. So um, yeah, um, for me. And from there, uh, you can start the love language for, you know, whatever you have for your, or your family or, I mean, your kids and daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So with three kids at different ages with different needs, different. Yeah. you're trying to figure out how to be what they all need you to be, and that's all different. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> um, thank you. So Linda said, what, what about you, Mike? Um, I think for me, uh, my something that I still am struggling with is, um, the comparison game and when it comes to my upbringing and I've shared this before that I was like petrified that I wasn't going to be a good dad and my, my desire to try to be a good dad for Charlotte was based on the fact that my dad wasn't there for me and that's I, sh- I, shouldn't, be, I shouldn't be doing that out of fear that I'm going to mess up right but just out of the love that God has given me for my wife and my daughter and for our family so I'm still trying to figure out how to how to to make sure I'm doing it from a right, right motive. Okay, one more question. And Philip, we haven't heard you, we heard from you in a while, so sorry, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Um, what advice would you give to the men in the room that might be struggling in a similar way to you? Actually, you have none. <laughs> I, it's a, uh, I don't know. Again, um, I always like to take like tasks, like they're really good challenges and I, I really get excited fixing things. But this is really one area that, that I tell my wife all the time, it's just hard for me like to not see the results. In, you know, and so I guess um, if there's any advice, it will be really to to trust that God is really our ultimate father, right? And uh, I won't be able to fulfill all of it. And I, I can try as much as I can, but or we can. But the bottom line is, uh, yeah, you, you just have to, but at the end of the day, at the end of a situation, you just have to tell God, uh, this is really you. You're in charge. Please, please take, take over. And, and he shows yeah, every time I do that, every time I remember to do that, he, he, he will really show me another perspective that I would not be able to come up with. You know? So, mm. That's great. Thank you. 
Anybody else before we give it over to Pastor Ken? Any parting words of advice? Was that a, you're going to say something? Microphone. Um, for me, it's just, um, this will happen to us, whatever situation, I mean, whatever, um, we have different um, things in our life. The most, I think it's just to, all that um, we're, we're learning, we're, um, I'm still learning, I mean, God, you know, from, from that mistake or whatever, it is in, in my wife, I mean, in, in our family right now, I'm still that, I'm looking for like a, I'm looking like a, it's a challenge for me. I know there's more coming or, you know, but that's what I said. I, I'm learning for that. I'm learning whatever mistake I have. I'm learning um, whatever um, my, my kids respond to me. And then I, no matter what, it's still your daughter. I mean, it's your kids. I mean, what you going to do? Yeah. I mean, um, you just um, continue to love them, I think. Yeah. Just show them our, um, how God and um, they are, I mean, how God is awesome, I mean, for them. You know, just, just continue to just, I think, for, pray for them every day. That's, that's, yeah. that's the most important thing. That's awesome. So be a lifelong learner, right? Show them unconditional love. Always go to God. Yeah, that's great. Well, go ahead. I have one more thing that just came to my mind. Try to be their friend and not always the parent. And just uh, see where they're coming from. You know, sometimes they don't want to talk to parents. They just want to, they want you to kind of be on their level. And that's what I've learned a lot with my son. I try not to be the father as much because it tends to veer them off and they don't, they don't want to do that. So just kind of, you know, trust in them to do the right thing, you know. That's what I do with my son. I trust that he's doing the right thing all the time and just kind of look over them but uh, try not to always don't do this don't do that because it's just going to make them want to do it more it's, it, it's a psychology thing it's, if you tell them not to do something they're going to do it more it's the bottom line so what um, I hear you saying too is, is I think of uh, train, up a, train up a child in the way he should go and when he's old he won't depart from it so you're saying that you are, you're, you're trusting the process that God has had you and your son on, and you don't need to hover over him constantly, and you're, you're, you're giving him some freedom and believing that, that God's word is going to be the anchor in his life. And then when I hear you say, be his, be his friend and not always be the father, I think you're still being a father, but you're, being empath- you're showing empathy. And a lot of people aren't, a lot of, what, I've, what I saw as a youth pastor is, um, you know, a lot of parents would be like, well... I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be their friend. I'm trying to be their parent. And I'm saying, I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to be their friend, but you need to learn some empathy and being able to see things from their perspective. And like, like we were talking about earlier over here, not just blind obedience, but, you know, let's talk about this. Uh, let me hear your viewpoint and I understand. Let me show you that I can understand where you're coming from. That's great. Can I add one more thing to that? Go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> um, and trust the people that are in the adult, the other adults that are in your life to minister to your kid. Um, so the people that you allow into your life, you got to remember are also going to be in your child's life. So if you're, if you're bringing in people in your life that are causing you to do things that you're really not supposed to, guess what? Your kid's going to see that and, and, and your kid's going to probably follow in that same path. The other day, um, I got to minister to an old friend's 11-year-old daughter. And even though there was, there, there was time away from the family um, since hanging out with them, I, I hadn't seen her since she was maybe like three. Um, I was still able to minister to her daughter. And her mom and dad, who are very good friends of mine, trust me enough to say the right things. Um, and you have to trust in your friends to say the right things to your kids and to, to, to be a good role model to your kids as well. So. Awesome. Thank you. All right, Pastor Ken, okay. take us home. Wow. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just share with you some of the notes I've been taking as I've been listening to the stories of these men. And I know that some of their stories may resonate with some of you um, because you find yourself in a similar life situation. 
Um, but let me just read some of the things that, I, that I'm taking note of and hearing as encouragements to all of us today. Number one, Jesus is the anchor. He's the cornerstone. He is the, the epitome of uh, what a man really should be. And I know it's a high standard, right? But I love how whoever it was that said that. Was that Dennis? Dennis. The metaphor is an anchor. Like, you need, to be, you need to be grounded in him. So let me say it this way. This theme has been ringing uh, through some of these, their, their comments today. That you're not going to have the time to learn everything you possibly need to learn to solve every problem that comes your way as a man. You need to learn to, to walk with the one who has all the solutions. And that's what I think they're trying to say is learn to walk with God because there's going to be problems that come your way with kids, with relationships, with marriage and all of that. You're not going to have enough time to try to figure it all out. So you need to learn how to connect with your heavenly father and receive the answers from him. Sometimes the answers come through friends. Sometimes the answers come through good godly counsel, right? But the point is that you're, you're anchored in Jesus, and when it comes time to fight for your kids and for your wife and for the things that matter most to you, you go straight to the place of prayer and you learn how to do that. Okay, so that's, that's the main one thing I'm hearing. The other one I'm hearing is um, take humble initiative. Sometimes humble initiative means humbling yourself as a man and saying sorry for the things that you did wrong and taking responsibility for the stuff that maybe you did that wasn't right or wasn't wise and being willing to humble yourself and, you know, blow past that sort of stereotypical, you must respect me as your father, you know, expectation we place on our kids and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself and I'm sorry if I did anything to exasperate you, son, daughter, whatever, okay? Um, be the change you want to see, is what Charles was saying, right? I gotta start, how do I figure this out? Well, I got to start with who? Start with myself and start being the change that I want to see. And that's always a process of time. And the reason we do that is because, as Charles was saying, God, you know, God was, he, he was saying that God is waking him up. Like, he was living, doing his own thing, not minding it, you know, just who cares about whatever. But all of a sudden, now he's got this son to take care of. God has a way of waking us up as men. Pay attention. Pay attention before it's too late. All right? Um, I heard... Love your wife and love the women in your life and look after them and fight for their beauty. Because everything we were trying to share about fathers and daughters, uh, really bottom line has to do with, as a father, are you answering the, the, the daughter's deepest question, which ultimately is, am I beautiful? Am I lovely? Am I captivating? Am I worth fighting for? And when, when you start to answer that question as a dad, um, you, you, then you'll be fulfilling your, father, your fatherly role in her life ultimately, right? You're, that's how you fight for her is you answer that question constantly. You, whether it's giving her flowers, giving her a Barbie with a Hulk, you know, what, what, but you're answering the question of, yes, I am worth it. Yes, I am love, lovely. And so whatever you do, find a way to fight for that beauty. And then I heard, um, be vulnerable. Like it's okay to admit you're wrong. It's okay to admit your mistakes as a man because the key to cur cur courageous leadership is really, is really being willing to be vulnerable, being willing to admit your weakness as a man. That's where the strength really starts to come forward, all right? Um, and then lastly, I heard, um, well, let me say it for the parents here. Sow the things that you want to reap in your kids. Some of you have kids that are at that place where they need to just be, they're taking it all in. So sow the things you want to see later on. My wife and I, when we parent our kids, we, we ask the question, look, am I parenting them in a way that, want, well, they, that 15 years down the road, they're going to want to come back home for Christmas and Thanksgiving? Am I parenting them in that way? Okay, now it's different for all of us. I get it. We're all in different situations. But you've got to sow now what you want to reap later. Okay, now watch. Um, sometimes, so when they get older, you have to trust. You have to trust what you've sown. And don't keep trying to sow it. You already sowed it, so stop telling them what to do. You sowed it already when they were little. This is what uh, Charles was saying. So trust the growth of that. Now watch. If it's weeds that starts to grow, be willing to pull the weeds out. 
and be willing to humble yourself and say, you know what, that was wrong what I told you back then. That I was going through a tough time. Be willing to share your story when they're old enough about what you're struggling with and why you did what you did back then. It's important for your kids to hear the story and then they understand. Okay, dad's not perfect, but we're together. Can we pull the weeds that are growing because of what we sowed, because of what I did and what I said and what I didn't do way back then? Yes? Okay. And um, I think that's pretty much it. Be willing to pull the weeds out. And uh, listen, so I'd like to just pray for us today. And I know that there are um, many of you, I'm hoping this has been helpful for you to hear stories. Sometimes we need to hear it this way. It, it shows you that the truth is not a formula. The truth is not just one simple thing we can, we can plug and play. That it's very complicated sometimes. But in the midst of all the complications of our lives, you know, God in Christ has come to us and he said, I can teach you how to be a good father. I can teach you how to be a godly man. And he uses many things in life to do that. So, guys, I want to just encourage you. Listen to what the Heavenly Father is saying to you. Develop a walk with him. Anchor your life in him. And I'm hoping that you've been encouraged by these stories today. To embrace responsibility, to reject passivity, you know, to, to, to act redemptively in your world. All right? Can we pray together? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this, uh, this time that we've had together to, to listen. You know, um, the world is constantly telling us stories. Our culture is constantly inundating us with false narratives. But what I want to thank you for is that, you've, that your work in these men's lives up here on this stage has been clear. You've been speaking. You've been doing good things in their lives, even in the midst of their perceived weaknesses. And so well, today we come to you and we... Um, Admit that we're weak without you. And we want to anchor ourselves in Jesus. We want to learn how to walk with you and become truly men of God, the men of God that you call us out to be. So I bless every man in this room, every husband, every father, every single guy in this room, Lord, every student. And I pray that, Lord, you would just uh, encourage them to embrace a vision of godly manhood as we've set it forth today, to cultivate a, a life with you that is truly authentic and life-giving for the people around them, to fight the battles that they need to fight, to fight those battles well, to live the adventure, Lord, that you're calling them to live, Lord, and to fight for the beauty in their life, Lord God, that you've placed there through relationships, through other things, Jesus, that have made their life beautiful that they need to really fight for. So we thank you for this time as men. We commit and consecrate our lives to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Oh, um, before we close and before Pastor Mike makes an announcement, um, there's something that Pastor Christina, when we were worshiping, mentioned to me, and I think it's a good word, not just for the men now, but for the women in the context of what we've just talked about. So, so just bear with me for a second. Um, <clears throat> I think sometimes, and I know that we're, we're trying to be careful to recognize the roles of men and women um, and to not, we don't want to talk about gender fluidity, we don't want to get caught in stereotypes. But I think sometimes <clears throat> I've gotten to hear a lot of these men's stories. Most, all of them are coming on Friday nights and getting to hear their heart and their vulnerability. Um, and as I just have been praying about this series and we're going to talk about women next week, I really feel this sense of needing to affirm and build you guys up um, but not just them, all of the men in the room. I think our culture has, um, in, the, in the purpose of equality, in the purpose of trying to make sure that every voice is heard, I think that as women we have such a power to push men down and to make them feel less than and like they're not good enough, they're not doing enough. I'm a woman, I can do it better, I don't need you, I can do it on my own. And our culture wants to have men and women equal, right? And I, I, I want you to hear my heart. We are. We're all one in Christ. But there's a grace for each of us in the roles that God designed us to be yeah. in. And if we overstep, if we push them down, because I am woman, hear me roar, we silence the things God is wanting to do in their lives, we silence the gifts that God is giving them. And so I just feel really strongly, and I'm sorry for getting emotional, but I feel like this is really powerful. We've got to build them up. 
we, we as women, whether you're married, not married, men that are single, like you need to surround yourself. Us as a community, we need to be people who are loving and building up each other. That your voice, your gifts as men, the things that God is speaking to you, the gifts and talents, whether you're more of the masculine, stereotypical, strong man, or you're a more passive, vulnerable, sensitive man, that is okay. There is a place for you. And hear me as all of you on this stage that I know your stories and I've watched you. God is so proud of you. You guys are doing an amazing job. And I love seeing your willingness to model in front of all of us the vulnerability, but also the masculinity in that. That you can be strong men and be sensitive and be vulnerable. And so the Lord gave me this scripture. And I just want to say this and I'll pray over you and then we'll move on and not make this a whole big thing. But I think this is important. Deuteronomy 28, 13. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. And I feel like this is a word for every man in this room. It's not about dominance. It's not about power. It's not about putting people down, but you are the head. Step into that role that God has given you. Be the head of your family. Be the head of your home. Be the head at your work. Be the head with your friends. Step into that. Do not be the tail. Do not let that passivity, like we saw Adam do in the garden, of being afraid and running away. Don't step into that because then what happens is women come in and take over or somebody else will come in and take over and your voice does not get heard and the gifts that God is wanting to use in you and through you don't get to be heard. So be the head and not the tail. Let me pray for you.